0: Hi, and welcome to Something to Wear, a podcast about clothes, personal style, nostalgia, and fabric. We're your hosts, Wendy and Alice, two people who love clothes so much that we're recording in a closet. Let's get started. I mean, (laughs) speaking of ghosts, which we may or may not be experiencing in this uh, change of scenery that we are recording in,
1: (laughs) we are still pretty much in a closet. We are on the floor of your bedroom. I'm basically sitting in a closet right now. It's
0: true. I mean, (laughs) you are sort of sitting in my closet functionally, and I am next to my dresser, which is the same as sitting in a closet. Exactly. We are surrounded by clothes. Always, constantly, (laughs) nonstop. It's almost as if we need more storage.
1: Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to this episode, this very special episode. Well, they're all very special. Today, we're talking about museums, specifically two museum exhibits that we went to in the last, like, week and a half. Been a whirlwind. It's been a lot of museums, two weekends in a row, fashion exhibits, which honestly, I feel like it's very hard to find a fashion exhibit. I was told recently that this is because displaying garments is actually very bad for them. Yes. So if you go to a museum, you're going to go to the galleries, and the galleries are mostly all going to be the same, but they don't usually have a closed one. And apparently that's because pretty bad for the clothes. But two people happen to do them at the same time.
0: We started our journey in New York. We went to a fabulous exhibit at the Met called Women Dressing Women, which was uh, a fabulous look at archival pieces from like 100 years ago and now and just sort of the conversation around what women wear and, and female designers. And it was it was actually it was really cool to see like a Simone Rocha piece next to, you know hand painted velvets from the 1920s.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a really cool exhibit and there was a lot of interesting things in it. And it was filled with a bunch
0: of other people also dressed very fashionably, moving very slowly, because everyone wanted to like read off the little blurbs because at a fashion exhibit everyone is reading all the little blurbs to understand what everyone what the yes. context
1: is. Yes. I did read all the little blurbs at the Met exhibit. The other exhibit we went to was um, at the MFA here in Boston, fashioned by Sargent. So it was portraits by John Singer Sargent talking about the clothes and then also either clothes that were actually in the picture paintings or clothes that were sort of like hypothetically someone might have worn this in a Sargent painting.
0: But like some of that it was like, oh, well, theoretically, like someone wore this pashmina, but like it clearly is that pashmina that people were wearing. The, in the pashmina paintings.
1: definitely, the red velvet dress definitely. Ellen Terry's beetle wing Lady Macbeth dress, 100%. But there was like, there were like a few House of Worth dresses that like, they belonged to the people who were painted, but they were not painted in dress. And it's sort of, you're sort of on a wild
0: ride through that exhibit where you're learning about how he invented a bunch of clothes for people, which is like the thesis of it was like he was also a fashion designer in his heart, where he wanted to have some kind of valuable political commentary through the outfits that people were wearing. So he was always very careful about what people wore.
1: Yes, exactly. So he would have you wear a dress, but then he would just paint a different dress because he liked it better. Yeah. Or right, it made a better statement. It would go
0: better with the wallpaper, as yeah. was the case of the <laughs> Isabella Stewart Gardner portrait. Um, but we, we should backtrack and talk more about the
1: Met. 100%. Should we talk about what we wore and then we'll talk about the exhibit itself? Oh, yes. We should do that. Yeah. I just wanted to give like a little overview yeah. of both of them and then.
0: That makes sense. But it's
1: hard to give an overview without diving in. So what we what we wore what did you wear Alice to both museums? So to the Met we were in New York we were staying with some friends in New York for the weekend so I really had to fit all of my stuff into a bag. I had this grand plan that I was going to wear something designed by a woman, which is inspirational. But I was I don't have a lot of designer clothes, then I was like, well I could wear something that I made cuz I'm a woman dressing myself. Then I didn't wasn't really feeling those I swear somewhere in my wardrobe, I have something with an ILGWU tag. So the International Ladies Garment Workers Union. And I was like, I'm going to wear my ILGWU dress. Cannot remember what dress that was. Could not find the label. I just invented it in my head. I imagined one. It was also surprisingly hot that day in New York. Like it was in hot. the 60s. Yes. So I was all prepared. I had a little wool shirt dress that I was going to wear. And then it was too hot. So I wore brown tights. I wore a plaid wool skirt that's like below the knee, like a blue gray and like a tan plaid and cream. I wore my blundstones. I had grand plans of wearing this little olive green and black polka dot silk blouse. But unfortunately, I was too lazy to wait for my deodorant to dry. And the second it touched my body, like it looked like it had an oil stain on it. So I wore a cream sweater instead.
0: It was very cute. You looked extremely um, archaeological.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Practical. for yes. digging, out the, <laughs> digging out the fossils and the, and the clay pottery fragments. <laughs> getting, getting to the heart of it in the basement of the Met. <laughs> exactly. And what did you wear?
0: I, I mean, I had a great crisis of, of heart picking my outfit out because we had sort of decided ahead of time because we were trying to communicate to all the people we were meeting at the Met and it ended up being quite a large group. Um, and we communicated ahead of time that the look was vintage. Yeah, it's vintage. it's a celebration of vintage, feminine, feminine, dressing. And so I pulled out my, you know, tried and true little plaid wool skirt. It used to be, I think it used to actually be a Catholic school uniform. It's just a very nice like blue and maroon plaid, very dark, and it goes with a lot of things. I wear it in a lot of seasons. Um, it was funny how every
1: single person in the group basically decided that plaid skirt was what vintage meant. Plaid skirt was the move. Yeah, yeah. you, me, Tari, and Monica were all wearing plaid skirts, which is like half the group.
0: <laughs> which is half the group, yeah. And we went, you know, as I, I'm I'm engaging in my little winner of the skirt experiment. So I originally was wearing a like tissue turtleneck sort of olive green with this skirt. And I was wearing my brown blundstones with it, and then I looked in the mirror. I have worn that outfit so many times. Like that is a that is a mountain I have climbed successfully over and over and over again. It's tried and true for a reason. Um, but I also was like struck by how, with my hair on that particular day, I, I like I just I felt like I looked like a Brooklyn Karen. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, I, I
1: I missed that revelation. I came in when you were like, I hate this outfit. Yeah, I had it. I I had it privately. <laughs> I looked inward. At which point I realized I needed to do something new.
0: So I ran to Kith, which is one of these like horrifyingly hip stores in Brooklyn that sells like really 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 expensive hoodies and cool streetwear and ice cream and ice cream. Yeah, and cereal. Yeah. So the Google definition of streetwear is casual clothing of a style worn especially by members of various urban youth subcultures and in my life i have never been a member of an urban youth subculture so i don't know that that's the right word for what i'm doing but i really wanted a pair of sneakers to go with this skirt. sure
1: fair um <laughs> absolutely that makes sense yes. you wanted to wear sneakers yes
0: i wanted to wear sneakers i couldn't find the right sneakers i realized i had some pieces back that were sort of, you know, I had some sneakers and I had a hoodie back at the apartment. So mm-hmm. I went to go and don those things. There were some problems with this where the, the sneakers were my New Balance 550s, which I love. But I but the problem is it's like a white sneaker with, and I have the the LA Lakers color wash. So there it's a white sneaker with blue and bits of yellow accenting. And the skirt is like a dark crimson maroon with a very, very dark navy plaid. So it's it's pretty high contrast, those two elements together. Um, I was planning on wearing a pair of tights. I was wearing a pair of black tights and I had this, um, hoodie that I just got that I think is hysterical. It has folklore in like black metal letters and a picture of Taylor Swift on the back that's been like rezzed up in a black metal way.
1: See, I didn't even get the joke because I just assumed, (laughs) I was like, oh wow, folklore had a way more metal-y label than I would have expected from a Taylor Swift album. Oh no, it's like- I did not realize this was a spoof. I was like, huh, wow. Taylor Swift, she spans many genres. And so
0: those kind of work together, but the skirt didn't necessarily work. And then I was thinking, like, maybe if I had a pair of white chunky socks, it would have worked. So I was, like, trying to be edgy. I wanted to feel like like Phoebe Bridgers. Like, I feel like that was the vibe I was going for. And I don't know that I achieved that. But it was an important experiment. And I think if I continue to play with that, I might draw some interesting conclusions about myself. Yeah.
1: I feel that we were very limited um just like by being in someone else's yeah, house for sure. So like if you were at home, you would have been able to make enough tweaks to make that outfit work. Yeah. I guess the other que- the question is though, if you had been at home and you hadn't had the constraints of these are the clothes that I have, would you have just changed into a totally different outfit probably?
0: I don't know. I mean, I still would have wanted it to be vintage. And most of my cute things are vintage skirts. So there's a real possibility that the outfit still would have materialized. Um, but it is a good question. What did you um, wear to the MFA? The MFA, I wore my other plaid skirt, which is a it's a brown plaid that I got at Vivant Vintage with a like very light blue uh, stripe through it. I love that skirt so much. It's so cute. And I wore that with a I went out for lunch with a friend after we left the museum, and he was like, what do they call the way that tie hangs on your shirt? And I was like, it's called a pussy bow. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so I had this, like, it's like an Ann Taylor, like, polyester pussy bow shirt that has, like, puff sleeves and is a beige. And then I, I wrapped the leather vest I got at Newport over the blouse, which I think created sort of like a like a riff on, like, a schoolmarm outfit, like an old-timey schoolmarm. Yes.
1: Yes, but the vest was leather, so it was more edgy. Yeah,
0: so it felt edgier, and then I paired that with the motorcycle boots. And I think that was a far more successful outfit. It's a little unfair to compare the two, but they're both different riffs on a plaid skirt, and one is more masculine, and the other is edgy. So, like, a little in that way that, like, we associate edginess with masculinity sometimes. Right, right, right. But it wasn't actually more masculine than the other outfit. Because I would argue that sneakers turned the other plaid skirt into more of, like, a kilt.
1: Yeah, I think the sneakers hoodie outfit felt more masculine if I had to, if I had to gender each outfit (laughs) on, if I had to rate outfits by gender, I'd say that one was more masculine than the other one. Right. Lately, I don't know how to feel edgy because even wearing
0: pants obviously doesn't make me feel edgy either. So like, how do I feel handsome and edgy? what i'm trying to do and what i'm trying to do with skirts
1: i mean what is edgy edgy changes edgy is defined by the people that you're around so you're operating at a disadvantage because all your friends are like music nerds (laughs) who like go to dive bars so like how do you feel edgy like if you were friends with a bunch of like sorority girls you would feel more edgy.
0: Tying <laughs> that back around, I do feel like a lot of what we were looking at across both of the exhibits this weekend was about edginess generally. Did we talk about your second outfit?
1: We didn't talk about my Oh my gosh, outfit. but we
0: have to talk about your second outfit first, okay. and then I'll complete my And outfit. then we'll go
1: back to edginess. Yes. Yeah, so to the John Singer Sargent Museum, it is a lifelong dream of mine. One of life's great tragedies, this will never happen to me. I will never be painted by John Singer Sargent, but I did want to dress like I was being painted by John Singer
0: Sargent. I I mean, I think you pulled that off. And we also have outside confirmation that you pulled that off because a lady walked up to you and told you so.
1: (laughs) It's true. It's true. So I wore this navy blue linen dress that I bought at an antique mall in Bloomington, Indiana, which apparently is where all of my clothes come from. (laughs) It's ankle length because it's made for someone taller than me. From the 80s, so it had shoulder pads that I trimmed out I'm not even anti-shoulder pad. It just... That dress needed to be free. It's too much for that dress because the dress has like a square neckline. It's button up. It has a thousand buttons. Like imagine the button spacing on a regular dress and then double the buttons. It's got like sort of a slim pleated skirt and little like elbow length sleeves. All of the edges are trimmed with basically like a sort of a wide... Open like insert lace. It's like a window pane. Yeah, it's like not quite. La- it's it's technically lace, but it's like big and mostly open space.
0: It's really gorgeous.
1: I wore that. I wore a brooch that my mom gave me. That's like silver with a little like carnelian stone in the middle. I wore little like ox blood oxfords, and I put my hair up just in kind of like a loose top bun in order to maximize the effect. And I had, like, I wasn't wearing it in the exhibit, but I wore, like, my long green, like, very slim, like, forest green, like, wool-y coat, kind of. But it's, like, midi-length. And there was a lady who walked up and was like, you look like you could be in one of the paintings. And I was like, I've never, my outfits have never been so successful as in this moment.
0: (laughs) I mean, in a sense you've been training for this your whole life. Exactly. I really love both exhibits. As we're coming back to edginess, I feel strongly like a lot of the focus of the Met exhibit was about women who've broken through in one way or another, who've done something interesting or different with their clothing, with their journeys. You saw the Betsy Johnson prototypical like Betsy girl, which was a very, you know, important part of her of her movement and what she was doing. You saw the Simone Rocha dress of baby teeth.
1: I loved that dress. My only disappointment with that dress is that it was not real baby teeth. Mm. It was porcelain baby teeth. So so
0: this dress is like a white, it was a white, very wide garment. It was sort of, it had its own internal structure that just made it very um, doll-like in a way where it would hang off of you, super A-line. Extremely like
1: gathered, tulle, yes.
0: like very roughly, And there was like a harness piece It's very much in line with with what Roshan makes, which had this like harness piece, chest, which was reminiscent of a nursing bra that was very much the intent. The nursing bra like sort of nipple piece was peeled down so it looked like a lacy overlay type situation. Mm -hmm. And then across sort of this whole harness, neckline, tool situation, you had these little porcelain baby teeth like sewn in. And it was about the grotesqueness of motherhood. And it was just so standout.
1: It was incredible. I saw it and I was like, that dress. Not everyone liked it. Someone in our group didn't like it. Remember,
0: yeah. You know, edginess. The John Singer Sargent Museum piece was also very much about, like, how people were dressing and what it was saying about the time. Like, you had the kid in the Oscar Wilde jacket, and it was hung the day that Oscar Wilde was going to trial for homosexuality. There was, like, a portrait of a lesbian, which was really cool. Who Vernon?
1: Yeah. Vernon Lee.
0: Yes. It was really about, like, him trying to paint people as their essences, so you had also the contrast of, like, Rockefeller looking not like Rockefeller like just looking like an average guy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of like the contrasts, I found a lot of edginess in that is what I'm trying to say.
1: I think it's interesting because I don't think we really do portraiture in the same way as we used to. But camera changed everything the and he's sort of changed at the beginning everything. of that. And now we're in social media so you create your outward image by this like collage of snippets like your social media and the photos you take. And it's all about sort of using a thousand images to project what you want people to take away from you. Yes. But I think the portrait is really interesting because a portrait is one image that needs to say everything about you. So you need a lot of props. You need a lot of props or you need there be there arises sort of this like language of the things around you of the way you're posed that like say what you want. So you had like the portrait of the suffragette or maybe she wasn't a she was a new woman probably a suffragette and she's like in like a very like active pose she was
0: a suffra- She was wearing the colors of the suffragette movement, which I always thought were white, but the painting said was purple and red.
1: Yes, it's true. <laughs> I assumed she yeah. was a suffragette. She was in a very active pose. She was wearing like a lot of menswear. She like kind of like looked like she was about to get up and start walking. For so that sure. like said a lot about her. That's a little different, a lot different from like everyday fashion or even just the way we take pictures now, which is a lot more about like. You're going to get seen in a moment. I will say, unfortunately, at the, at the MFA, it was so crowded that I couldn't really read all the blurbs. So I didn't learn as much about each individual painting as I wanted to.
0: I thought the most interesting thing was comparing the uh, House of Worth pieces that were there against what may or may not have been paintings incorporated with them. And you sort of got to wonder if, like, the dress had been altered since the painting had been done, and that's why it looked different, or if it was Sargent sort of taking his own lead. And just the detail on the House of Worth pieces like, I-, I stared at hems a lot. There were some really beautiful subtle pleats in the base of things, and different laces, and beautiful and fine.
1: That's the other great tragedy of my life, is that I'll never wear a House of Worth dress. And sure.
0: I hadn't even heard of House of Worth, I and mean, then, like... You prompt you prepped me like, before. Oh, event. House of yes. Worth!
1: Oh, you you can't wait to see House of Worth!
0: And it's true, I couldn't wait. You <laughs> helped me realize I couldn't wait to see it. I wonder how to talk about this the right way, but I also was struck by how how many how many of the portraits in one of the sections were just dedicated to like sort of the question of cultural appropriation and how that sort of shifted over time. And like you'd have a dress and you'd have it worn by a by a white model. Was Sargent trying to say something about? culture or was he just borrowing the prop for people to wear and it was a much less it was much less of a debate then
1: yeah there was it was it was the room that was dedicated to costume the idea of costume yes so there was like there were a couple pieces there was there was ellen terry's lady Macbeth beetle wing yes i don't think anyone has any questions about the cultural appropriateness of that that's no i mean that's just a that's just a beautiful dress. The beetles looked like armor. It was phenomenal. And the beetles die naturally. Did you know? I did not know. They don't kill the beetles to get the wings. Which is a relief. There were a lot of dead beetles on There were a that lot dress. of dead <laughs> beetles on that dress. But then it also had the like the Turkish robe that was very fashionable at the time. Yep. This this was just an era that was real real big. The the white people were real big on cultural appropriation in that era.
0: I have there's another picture in the MFA that I've looked at quite a bit. Because it's in their permanent collection. I, I believe it's a Monet. and Is I believe... it the kimono? Yeah, it's the kimono. It's his wife wearing the beautiful big kimono. And I remember that was like our first conversation in art history class about like the concept of cultural appropriation was around that yeah. painting and that kimono. Yeah. And so it felt really appropriate that like on the other side of the wall in this exhibit were all of these. Because he's so impressionist adjacent and you see that in his earlier work Mm -hmm. and he sort of develops it into his own. What I I really like about Sargent's portraits, putting that aside for a second, what I really like about his portraits are are their presence of place. The figures all really feel full. Mm-hmm. and three dimensional in a way but he's not particularly detailed. <laughs> I love the energy that he puts into his paintings because I feel like it's not always reflected in like detail so much as how the light is falling, which is also mm-hmm. why he feels so related to those impressionists and so questionable or not, the texture on some of these pieces like the Turkish robe or the Spanish dress were just mm-hmm. absolutely you could really really feel it. Like the velvets look like velvets, the beads look like beads. It was a really impressive feet of his talent which also reminded me of something an our history teacher used to tell me about how a lot of artists if you're a professional portrait artist while you were building your career but also even after so you could keep getting wealthy benefactors like every every foot step you take forward to show your work is like also bragging so it's mm. like, look at this sumptuous velvet. I'm going to paint this because <laughs> look at how good that drapes. You want this in your painting. You know, uh-huh, you want this uh-huh. in your home.
1: Yeah. I mean, he does a really beautiful job with the light and the luster of things and the velvets and the silks and, and there- a lot of dresses that I wanted to wear. There was that beautiful men's fan. Oh, yeah. The men's fan that was made out of like a piece of leather? Yeah, it it looked instead of like paper and wood cuz you had to be very manly. And there were a lot of interesting
0: parallels between like gender expression in these paintings, like gender expression now and we're sort of on this curve of like very polarized like and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. have to be man <laughs> and, like that was very that the the fan felt very much like that but then also next to the fan was a little plaque that was like person who popularized fans was actually King Tut. Incredible. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> But back to the Met, there were some
1: really standout pieces there. Did you have any you wanted to talk about? So many. (laughs) I want to hear about all of it. (laughs) So basically, we went into this room and you could either go right or left. And I went left. And I definitely think if I had gone right, I would have gotten like a chronological view of sort of design by women in the last century. But instead, I went left. So I got a reverse chronological view, which was really interesting, actually. So like quite early on in the exhibit, I saw there was this dress designed by Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen. That's this like amazing, like sort of skeletal fish metal armor thing. Yes. It's like all like... The oyster dress. Yeah, like it's like an oyster. So it was like very like sea creature, very like medieval armor. I think it had like a sort of a. cowl slash balaclava thing which just yesterday I was telling you that I hate balaclavas at fast fashion but that is the one exception that I will
0: allow. I'm definitely waiting to experiment with balaclavas like no question.
1: (laughs) Well only if you put them on an amazing silver ball gown. So that was really cool and then that was sort of paired near like a 3D printed dress by Iris Van Herpen that was just sort of a weird skeletal structure. Oh I love that. That was that like one. like a sort of a mini dress corset, but it wasn't really it like sort of asks the question like what are clothes? Yes. Because I don't know that I would say that this is clothes, but it did seem that it was meant to be worn.
0: But it echoed, I feel like it really echoed to bring Phoebe Bridgers up again, that like skeleton thing that she was sort of wearing to a lot of her shows. Like she has I don't know this. She has a little it's like a harness, but it's shaped like a rib cage, and she wears it over. It's it's made of like pearls, and it's it's beaded, and she oh, wears fun. it over shirts. and th- It's gorgeous, and like a lot of people, it it became trendy after she started doing it, and and some fashion girls started wearing it too. And I think I think that trend has since passed, but at the time, it was very yeah a recent history moment.
1: Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like that. And then right at the front, right, like, the first few things I saw, there were these amazing combinations of, like, blush and black that were really cool. So there was, like, an evening dress that was, like, black tulle and, like, blush silk and very, like, angular and geometric. But there was also next to it, there was this cape that was, like, it was it was zero waste, so it was not. So, like, the shapes were all very, like, geometric. Mm. And it was also it was black and blush silk, like color blocked in like sort of like a di- like a diamond shape. It was really yeah. cool.
0: I want to talk about the reaction I saw you have to the um,
1: the Delphine dress
0: or whatever that.
1: Oh, the Delphos dress. Yeah, or Delphi maybe. The yeah, Delphi, Delphi dress. Yeah. Yes, I had seen pictures of this dress, a dress that had a moment in from about 1907. And it's, it's, so the name commonly associated with it is Fortuny, but it is designed by Henriette Negrin, who was married to Fortuny. And so the Delphos gowns are like this pleated column, essentially, super duper tight pleats, like the kind that, um, the kind that spring back to their shape mm-hmm. immediately and um, silk. And they're like, they have kind of a boat neck. They're very, very simple. The, the feature is really kind of the pleats. It's just like a column of fabric that's been super tightly pleated. And so I have seen, I've seen them before in pictures, obviously. Um, and I've never totally understood the appeal. I've kind of been like, this is a pleated column of fabric. But it was so beautiful in person. It was so gorgeous. It
0: was really stunning in person.
1: It was so much like more sort of like lustrous with the silk Um, it was like a sort of a teal like sea green color and Mm -hmm. it had these tiny buttons like down the side or like they weren't even buttons they were just beads tiny little beads that were like a coral color and I was really enchanted by it and I felt like I understood it in a way which I had never understood it by looking at it in pictures before it was really special to go to go take the trip there was some There was some crazy stuff. There was this whole room of like pre-50s.
0: Yeah, there was that dress of uh, monkey fur that looked like ostrich feathers.
1: Yeah, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then when I saw that it was made of monkey fur, I was like, well, I know how I feel about it now. I feel horrified (laughs) and disgusted. The chain, the the line between feathers and hair is like so fine and yet so important. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. In my mind,
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. I was taken. I was taken by how many beautiful, uh, quilted and applique items there were. Just generally, there was like I took pictures of quite a few different. There was like a dress and a couple of quilted yeah. And oh, they coats. were right next
1: to each other. They were really beautiful.
0: Yeah, and they really. I've
1: I've been wanting to make my own quilted jacket, and so the quilted jacket was next to this incredible sort of like Dior esque. Like, new look bar suit thing with like colorful, like, strips of like ribbon embroidery that was really, really stunning as well.
0: Yeah, no, I was um, especially also taken by it was the AF Chantilly and Lowe dress that was this white cotton trimmed with pink silk organza and it had this like green taffeta, like, stems on these beautiful carnations that oh, were all over the dress. Oh, yes. And it was revealed that Jackie Kennedy had worn an Anne Lowe dress for her for her wedding. And the designer went uncredited because uh, she was a black woman. But I was so... That was it, a beautiful dress. It was so beautiful and so delicate. And it was so Jackie. That wasn't Jackie's wedding dress. But you could see the immediate through line as to why Jackie would have picked that designer.
1: I wanted it to be my wedding dress.
0: It was cool. It was cool to see hidden history, stuff like that, where the it felt like the organizers of the Met had made a conscious effort to try to... Look at their catalog, see gaps that they might have overlooked in previous rounds of curation. You know, just omitting designers who really should have been there in the first place to begin with for their for their credits and their contributions and like designers of color, which was great. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was really interesting to see how they had sort of organized things by time period a little bit and by like context a little bit but also everything was sort of a little bit organized by color as well which that, i thought was cool or like, technique yeah yeah like there was one that was like a lot of like surface design like printing and stuff feel like i could go back again and get new things out of it
0: yeah the other the other dress that i am still thinking of was a beautiful blush dress that had a silver um embroidery on it that I actually thought was beating and I, I was leaning in really close and this other lady who was dressed so well she had a beautiful black handbag with a giant like bejeweled bug on it and she was wearing this like red and black like dress with like a high little waist and I was leaning in really close and she was like I think that's thread and I was like do you think that's thread because I think it's beading we had a really nice little conversation about it which felt super I, you I never engage with people like that at an art gallery and it just it was very wholesome.
1: That's really fun. I feel like it is more likely to happen when you're looking at clothes.
0: But I was really I was really floored by that by that that dress. It was in you were saying it's the the robed style
1: style. Yeah, so it's like the 20s but they don't want to give up the full skirt. So um it has the sort of 20s like column shape. It has the drop waist, but then it has these like big paniers and the skirt yeah. is really full. It's like such a strange shape for someone to wear, but it's really. I think they're really cute. It's so
0: precious and like it was very Sofia Coppola, like Marie Antoinette, which which yes. when you read the description, it's like oh yeah, like very in- heavily inspired by Rococo and like yeah. Even hearing that word makes me recall the Bill Callahan song with the like Rococo. I cannot I, I cannot read that word. Oh my god. Okay, well we should we should listen to that song. But yeah, what a what a wonderful exhibit. Yeah, it was really it was really cool. Changing the subject a little bit. What looks are you excited to bring home with you from these exhibits?
1: Great question, Wendy. I definitely feel like I had a little bit of a fashion revelation when I was in the women dressing women exhibit. And I think this is in part because I went through the modern side, there was a lot of sort of like ivory and cream and like ruffles and lace and like big skirts and pastels and those two that I talked about that were like the blush and black silk combos, which always kind of reminds me of like um like lingerie a little bit. Yeah. And I realized that maybe I want to be wearing more Of sort of that like extremely femme, Mm. like, do I want some like brothy white lace petticoats, maybe? More pearls. White lace tights. You've mentioned white lace tights. White lace tights, maybe. There was this adorable little pastel pink like skirt set. So it had a little pastel pink, like it was from the 70s, like like a double knit or something, a a Mm. pink midi skirt with a big pleat down the middle and then it had this little boat neck top with like a bow collar that was also pastel like stripes i'm just listing things i saw now <laughs> and there was this little like fencing costume kind of so it was little white oh, knee breeches
0: the fencing costume was adorable and
1: like a white button up but just the sleeve of the button up so so basically it was like little knee breeches and then this like padded jacket which had only one sleeve and then the other sleeve was a white button up. Um, but one of them was padded and it had a little red heart embroidered over the yeah. heart. And it was just it was so cute. I felt a lot of clarity in that first like half of the exhibit between that and also the the white dress that you mentioned mm, with the The Rocha. The Rocha for sure. Also the one with the roses. Mm. The 60s. Yeah, the 60s, like, the Anne low. The and low. Thank you. And then I sort of, so I was like, wow, I know exactly how I want to dress. And then I moved into the other half of the room, which was sort of like 20s through 50s. And it had a much more sort of like autumnal color palette. There were more oranges. There mm-hmm. were more sort of taupes And there my resolve crumbled because it was all the things that I already know and love and that I would wear. Every single day. And that I have things similar in my wardrobe. And I was like, but I love all these too.
0: (laughs) It ends up being a uniform for a reason.
1: (laughs) There was like this little like taupe jumpsuit that was just, it was so cute. My fashion revelation was like pearls and lace and like this sort of like extreme femininity. And then it was spoiled by seeing all the things that I wear every day. So maybe I need a way to incorporate some pastels, but I don't need to like grow out of my plaid maxi skirts.
0: You can, you can do both. You, you can, can be feminine it. in any any realm of the spectrum. I mean, they you were so
1: all feminine outfits. True, but some of them were more ruffly. What about you? Did you have takeaways from I guess from the the Met or either of the exhibits?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been like I said, I've been trying to think about edginess, and so I don't know. There was a lot of edge, but I, I don't know that I had any, like, take home. Actually, I mean, there were a bunch of quilted elements that I really, really liked. Little details here and there. The the little fencing outfit had a quilted element to it. There were some beautiful quilted jackets, some hand-appliqued coats and skirts that really made mm-hmm. me want to, like, applique and quilt something. I took a bunch of photos I wanted to, like, have it as, like, a visual reference for, for maybe doing some quilting work later in the year because I've been really craving that recently. Some of the hand-painted objects too. it made me want to paint
1: on my clothes. Mm, There was that beautiful, like, printed purple. velvet.
0: Yeah. And some of it just had a sense of humor. I, like, wanted... A lot of it had a sense of humor. A lot of the really uh, successful designs that I was in love with had definitely an aspect of humor to them that I want to incorporate. Like, this wasn't one of the fashion exhibits we saw, but we were at the MFA this weekend. We saw a giant beaded sculpture of it of a like a lemon that was rotted.
1: Oh yeah, but it, yeah, yeah.
0: But the rot and the non-rot pieces of the lemon were all like bead appliqué and it was just so stunningly repulsive.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful. Um we also when we were at the MFA we went to the Jello room. Yeah. So like I want to look like I'm iridescent jello in a way. It's a very small room at the MFA. I don't know how long we'll be there so Go now while you can. You can watch and listen to a video of someone squishing Jell-O. You can experience what it is like to be suspended in Jell-O. Um, and you can see old Jell-O ads. Highly recommend. It's, it's called Digital
0: Iridescence, Jell-O in New Media. And it's about Jell-O's presence in contemporary art as an extension. of It's visual and cultural. Um, but that was sort of inspirational. But backtracking tra- back entirely to the myth. I really liked some of the, like the play suits and the suspenders on stuff. The more tailored elements, I've always liked the more tailored elements. Um, so just continuing my quest to find well fitting. There
1: was that little corner that was all like 30s and 40s. Oh, like tailoring perfect. and jackets. And there was there was like a pair of high waisted pants with built in suspenders that was beautiful. It was so beautiful.
0: I love the cohesiveness of it all. On the um, you know, sergeant side, I I loved the, the sumptuous velvet. I to wear More sumptuous velvet, but that's that's more of a holiday vibe anyway.
1: Yeah, that was sort of my takeaway also from sergeant is more velvet. Yeah. More velvet, more silk, more pearls. Things Again, pearls are a through line, drape is a through line. Yep. Looking like you're wearing a ball gown is kind of a through line.
0: I also just took away how good the name House of Worth is. Like, would House of Worth, Worth have been as successful if it wasn't called House of Worth?
1: Probably not. Yeah, well, I do literally want to wear all of the <laughs> outfit, But unfortunately, they're fragile and old. So I can only take inspiration.
0: Onward and upward. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to cut the discussion short again. Obviously, we could go on and on about these art exhibits, uh,
1: given who we are as people. And honestly, we will um, <laughs> once the microphone's off. Yes. But we want to eat dinner. That's true. <laughs> There's a Domino's pizza calling my name right now. <laughs> so, um, in conclusion, folks, I mean, Alice, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. As, as usual, we'll leave you with a few questions. Um, what do you wear to feel edgy? Do you take inspiration from works of art or fashion history or both? And would you rather wear a dress made of baby teeth or a dress made of beetles please feel <laughs> free to email us your
0: response at something to wear at gmail.com
1: yeah or um follow us on instagram or dm us on instagram at something to wear and um we look forward to hearing from you yeah thanks everybody yeah have a great night bye, bye.